Molly Mafia podcast, the place where everything and nothing collide. And I say that because sometimes we're going to talk about things that really matter. This would be included in everything. And sometimes we're going to talk about things that don't matter at all. A little bit like last week, we talked about some just random kind of thoughts that were just coming to our minds. Um, so we'll do that sometimes. We'll talk about nothing. We're going to talk about everything, and we're going to talk about all of that together. But first, before we go any further, oh, 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 did you, did you watch the big game? When I say the big game, I mean the big one, the big game, the game that everyone watches for various reasons. Some people watch for the game because there's a trophy on the line. There's pride on the line. Some people watch uh, for the commercials because that's when all the big marketing moves are made. Um, And some people watch for the halftime show, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Now, I'm... Not really that big of a sports fan. I, I've, as I've gotten older, I've begun to pay more attention to sports. This past year, I've really started to get into college sports. Now, college football was really exciting for me this past year. I never really paid attention to sports a lot. It's here and there some. But I started getting into college football, which kind of... Uh, led me to get into high school football. So I enjoyed watching both of those this year. And, um, yeah, so I, I kind of was unsure. Like, I've, I've kind of been in and out of pro sports because I don't really get into uh, or like things that get real political when I'm just trying to be entertained by something dumb. So there's this thing of, you know, two teams, muscle, grit, athlete, Sweat, grind, ugh, battling it out for essentially bragging rights. When I watch 
pro sports, I want to be engulfed, immersed, and excited about the competition. I don't really want to hear political opinions and stances and causes and things like that. There's a place for that. And I support their, their platform or they, when they feel like they need to do that, you know, I, I, I don't shy away from politics. I don't shy away from the uh, idea of using a platform to, to send a message. I mean, that's kind of the point of this podcast, right? So it's not that it's just when I want to be entertained by something that's kind of thoughtless and mindless and just gritty I don't want to have to get involved in who said what about who and what the point of this and that and, you know, the little colors of this or whether they stand or kneel or whatever. But I do believe there's a place for that. Having said all that, um, I didn't really have a team going into this that I really supported. Now, being from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, my gut instinct is root for the Cowboys because that's my home team. Um, so that's kind of my go-to, I think my fallback, my default root for the Cowboys. I do like the Houston Texans. I think JJ Watt is an amazing man and he's, uh, a, a beast of a competitor. He is a monster on the football field and I love watching him bury people three inches into the dirt. I mean, I think that would just, just the the power of a man to be able to do that to another man is quite impressive. So I, I like the Houston Texans um, for, very, you know, for that reason, maybe also being from Texas. I'm not, a, you know, I uh, can't say I'm a huge fan of Houston as a city, but hey, if it's your city, then why aren't you there? That's all I'm saying. Um, I hope to get some emails from this, this podcast. Okay. So going into the big game, I didn't really have a team that was, that was supporting one over the other. I like Tom Brady as a person. I respect his, uh, his sense of fashion because I, I think I kind of identify with a little bit. I'm, you know, um, not really afraid to wear something that I feel comfortable in. And if that means joggers and dress shoes, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, and if that's for him, it's skinny jeans and Uggs boots, then, you know, I think that's awesome. Um, I think he's a good dude. I think he's a good dad. Um, and he's a phenomenal quarterback. His comeback record is amazing. His ability to come back and not give up and, and push to the last second is something that I think is inspirational and quite impressive as an athlete to watch. Uh, I also like Nick Foles because I like the underdog. I like the story of a guy coming from um, a place where he thought he was done. He thought he was he was it was going to have to hang it up um, and retire, and you know he just wasn't going to be able to fulfill his dream. Going and then ending up in the Super Bowl um, right after that. So, you know, I, I respect both those uh, teams for those reasons. Um, not a big fan of Pennsylvania as a state. I've been to Philadelphia and I've been around Pennsylvania multiple times. The 
far like northwest side of Pennsylvania is beautiful, but Philadelphia is a different place. And if you've been to Philadelphia, tell me tell me your thoughts on this, but I've been to Philadelphia multiple times and every time I'm there, it is the coldest, and I don't mean cold like temperature cold. I mean people hate you for standing for existing. Like it's called the city of brotherly love as a joke. That's my personal belief. That is like, it's a, it's the exact opposite of that. And so they wear that badge proudly. When you go to Philadelphia, you are scum. You don't belong there. So you got to get treated like that. Like get out of the way. You are not from here. So you're not important. Um, the people are cold, the people are angry, the road rage is unmatched. I mean, unbelievable. You will get honked at for not honking at the person in front of you. You know what I mean? It's, it's brutal. It's a brutal city. And that's my experience. I've been there three times. That's been my experience every time. So if I'm wrong... In your opinion, if you've had a different experience as an outsider, not being from there, if you were born there, I think you have a different experience because you're an insider. But coming from the outside and spending time in Philadelphia, that's been my experience. And if you have been to Philadelphia as an outsider and have had a different experience, let me know. I want to hear. Anyway, getting back to the game, it didn't really matter to me who won. I was kind of pulling for Tom Brady because... Uh, I wanted him to get that sixth ring and I wanted to see him be the comeback kid again and that kind of stuff. But it was a pretty, it was a good game. I thought, you know, from start to finish, I thought it was a pretty good game. I don't know with what you thought about it. I don't know if you had a team or not. If you were really pulling for somebody, maybe you had a different perspective. I felt, I kind of felt like the refs sat on their flags like there was so few uh, penalties called throughout the game, and I thought there could have been more. I thought they missed some some obvious calls. I don't know that they were biased calls. I just think they missed some obvious calls both ways. And there was some controversy. You know, there's a couple of those those touchdowns were controversial, uh, depending on your perspective. You know, they um they made some calls there, uh, Philadelphia with two two. Uh, touchdowns that could have could have been called back depending on how they were ruled. So did Tom Brady get robbed? I don't know. You know, I, I think anytime you anytime you give somebody an opportunity where you're just you're not burying them, you're not putting them away, you're just letting them stay there and compete, you're kind of you're not getting robbed. You know, you're, you're not, you're not making it a clear enough win. So if it comes down to the last second, I think it's on you. Uh, You could have, you should have not put yourself in that position. Uh, 
So the game was good. Halftime show was pretty good. I'm not going to say top anything. You know, I think, I think Prince's performance uh, in the rain, singing Purple Rain, has to be number one all-time halftime show performance. Bruno Mars, a couple years back, phenomenal halftime performance. Eh, from there, you know, I don't know. Beyonce, meh. Um, Lady Gaga, maybe. Pretty good. Uh, JT, solid. Solid performance, I thought. Now, if you hate JT, if you hate pop music, you know, that's uh, then, you know, you probably hated it. But I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, he's a talented guy. I think everything JT puts his fingers on turns to gold. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he would have a really good performance. Um, I thought the tribute to Prince was phenomenal. Uh, I was really hoping for that because I was thinking, you know, here you are, you're in Minneapolis and you don't have Prince. You know, this is the place where if he was still with us, you would call him and want him to do this show. You would want him to come back and perform. You know, you would at least want him to show up and, and do a song. But since you don't have that option, what do you do? And this is what I was thinking about earlier today. I was like, what does JT or any person do in this situation? Because you, you everybody's thinking it. Everybody knows this is where Prince should have been. And he's not here. So what what do you do? Um, and I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool that they paid tribute with the sheet like Prince did when he performed. Um, in front of the, you know, behind the white piano and all that stuff. I thought it was a beautiful tribute and um, well-deserved. Very well-deserved. I mean... Again, yeah, Prince was like one of the greatest of all time. You can't, it's it's the elephant in the room. You know, you can't ignore it. You can't not address it. You have to do it. And you have to do it well, and you have to do it right. So to give him that honor, and then for the city to light up those, I mean, the, the purple lights outside the stadium, that was genius move. I mean, whoever came up with that needs a raise because that was phenomenal. That was a great touch. Um, so kudos to them for that. They, that was a that was cool. Uh, and then, lastly, the commercials. I don't know. There wasn't like I kept waiting for the one, and I think the one is going to be the New York Giants doing dirty dancing. That has to be the one, right? Because. There were some good commercials. I thought the uh, some of the film trailers were awesome. Like, you know, the Solo um, and the new extended Jurassic Park trailer and that kind of stuff. I thought it was good. You know, it was like, oh, this is what we're expecting. You want new information when you're watching uh, Super Bowl commercials. And you want something that you weren't expecting. You want something hilarious. You want something like, oh my God, I never saw that coming. And that was the New York Giants doing Dirty Dancing. I mean, I didn't know what I was watching 
until it was over. I was like, you know, it's like Eli and Odell and they're, you know, they're starting to dance and it's like, I don't get this. What are they doing? And then they go through the whole thing and the team joins in and it's like, oh man. So at the end is where it all comes, where they pull it together. Cause I'm going, what product is this? And the product was the NFL's touchdown celebrations because those touchdown celebrations uh, have been pretty epic. Um, if you paying t- paid attention, you can go on YouTube or whatever and find past uh, or touchdown celebrations from this past year. But there have been some pretty great ones. They had some like a few weeks ago. There was like dudes doing uh, um, curling. You know, they were curling in the end zone. There's been some awesome like team effort dances and um, charades and you know mimicry and. Mimicry, mimery, whatever. Some awesome stuff. And then for the Giants to pull out that commercial for the NFL, I thought that was was incredible. I thought that was great. Didn't see it coming. So that one got me. That was really good. Um So what were yours? What were your picks? What were what'd you think? What'd you what did you like? I, I saw a lot of comments in on Facebook. People were digging the The, uh, oh my gosh, what were they? It was Hopper, the guy that plays Hopper from Stranger Things, uh, on on a horse's back. <laughs> what were those commercials? See, I didn't, it didn't stick with me enough to know what it was about. But they were pretty funny, I know that. Um, TurboTax had, had one about a monster under the bed, I thought that was kind of kind of cute the monster was horrible looking what were yours what were your favorites what did you like um all right before we go any further let me let me see if this works here that is the sound of LaCroix let me tell you something about LaCroix I don't know, I think I said last week, I don't know how to pronounce this. They have these mixed mixed LaCroix things that are even harder to pronounce than just the word LaCroix, or two words. Um, Oh, just spilled it on myself. Hang on. Ah, Try to drink that down a little. All right. I don't know what this says. Pombaya, apple cranberry. It says LaCroix Curate, I think. I don't know. I don't know what it says, but I know it's delicious. And they have these in the regular LaCroix section. They're like a little bit more expensive, the the box. But they have these mixed flavors that I have fallen in love with. I liked LaCroix to begin with. I mean, come on, LaCroix. You're doing great, you know? How do you how do you do better? You mix flavors together, I guess, and put some kind of language on it and call it something that I can't pronounce. And I love it even more. This is a apple cranberry mixture and it's delicious. I like it. But also this week I tried their 
pineapple strawberry, which is awesome. And I think my new favorite is probably their cherry lime, which is unbelievably good for flavored water. Anyway, LaCroix for all of your flavored water needs. Ah, refreshing. All right. We talked about the big game. We talked about commercial time. We talked about halftime. Give me your thoughts. Tell me what you thought about it. And with that, I've got to say, we had some listeners this past week. I had like 20 downloads. That's awesome. So if you're one of the 20 people that's listening to this right now, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Much more than I expected would ever listen to this. So that's amazing. And the Facebook page that I put up got 75 likes. I know we're playing in a very, very, very small audience here. But we're talking about one guy who nobody knows i mean very few people know who i am speaking into a microphone and you are taking your time to listen that's a little mind blowing to me i thought maybe we'd i'd have one or two i was hoping for you know more but we had to have 20 last week on that episode that we, where we talked about nothing. I mean, that was pretty sweet. Hopefully, I didn't lose anybody with that. I'm trying to get better at this, okay? Just keep hanging with me. I promise it's going to get better. I'm trying to have a little more energy this time. I'm trying to stop breathing into the microphone. You know, I'm learning here. I'm trying. So, what I would like is if you listen to this, let me know. If I ask a question, answer the question, go to the Facebook page, send me a message, send me a text message, whatever, let me know, hey, I listened. Because that's, that's, to me, I mean, I want to be able to start putting faces out there, you know? I want to be able to start saying that... The people that are listening are engaging. So that's what I got to do next. I got to get you guys to start engaging. How do you engage the content? Okay. That's what I'm working on. And if I'm not doing a good job of giving you something to engage, then feel free to let me know. I mean, if this, I, I fully, I've said from the beginning, this is crap. This whole podcast sucks. So if, you know, if I'm living up to that standard, if you know, if I say it sucks and it does suck, then we're <laughs> I'm 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 doing I'm doing, you know, I think I'm doing okay, but hopefully you stick with me and we get above suck at some point. And I'll probably still think it sucks, but hopefully we get above suck at some point. Um kind of getting away from the nonsense for a sec. I've not talked much about me. I haven't even said my name, you know? When I introduce the podcast, I always say, oh, what's going on? It's the Tamale Mafia podcast, and I just roll right into it. 
assuming that anybody who's listening to this already knows who I am. That's how small I'm directing, <laughs> you know, that's how small I feel like the listener base is. So this is people who know me, who are giving me a chance, who I don't have to say this is who I am. But I thought this week I would talk a little bit about who I am. My name is Aaron. I was born in San Antonio. When I was going to be born, my parents had just had a baby. So my older brother was just less than, just under six weeks old when my mom found out she was pregnant with me. Which was a shock to their doctor, apparently. I was, I was there. Technically, I was there. But I don't remember this. So the uh, doctor asked, asked them if they want to abort me. Hey, we, you, you just had a baby. You don't need another one right away. That's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's okay. We can take care of this. What do you mean take care of this? No, we can take care of this. Just take care of the problem. So I've been a problem <laughs> since since inception. Since inception, I've been a problem. Thankfully, I wasn't a problem to my parents. My parents um, would claim a Christian moral code and a Christian doctrine and worldview now. But at the time, they didn't. But they still knew or had a sense that we, we're not going to abort our baby just because we already have a baby. Um, and I'm glad they didn't because I wouldn't be here. So I was born. Um, I have, I have a, an older brother who is just under 10 months older than me. And we get accused of being twins, or we did when we were younger. We've kind of gone our separate ways uh, physically <laughs> um, as we've gotten older. But when, especially when we were really little, uh, we got accused of being twins all the time. And my mom would get upset, which is like, okay, but why would you dress us alike if you didn't want people thinking we were twins? I think it was, you know, she was not really upset. She just liked messing with people. Because my mom's kind of a gangster. I'll explain a little bit more of that. But I think she just enjoyed messing with people where she would, they're not twins, they're 10 months apart. Okay, but they're dressed exactly alike and they're, they look a lot alike and they're the same age because for two months out of the year, my brother and I are the same age. So... You know, try explaining that to people when you're seven. You're like, I'm seven. Well, how old are you? Oh, seven. Oh, are you guys twins? No. But you're both seven, yes. And you have the same parents. Yep, same parents. Brothers. Not cousins. Not stepbrothers. Brothers. But we're not twins. So we got to a point where, at least I, I think I did. I know I did at some point. I would just say yes. Because I got tired of explaining it. But as we got older, 
it became a little easier because we started to size differently. You know, my brother's been traditionally he's been a lot smaller than I than I have been. I'm you know I'm a big dude. I call it muscle mass. <laughs> anyway, okay. My parents are some of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Everybody that has ever met my parents has always said, oh my God, your parents are amazing. And they are. I've always said, yeah, but you don't have to live with them. Because that's everybody's perspective, right? It's kind of annoying when your friends come over and they're like, your parents are so cool. And like, yeah, you don't, you don't live here. They're nerds and... They boss us around, and they have unreasonable expectations, and, you know, they're parents. But one of the things, you know, a lot of things, I mean, my parents were were really cool. My dad had this cool job where he traveled all the time, so we got to travel all over the country, see all kinds of things. From the time I was, like, three years old, you know, we were traveling in a different place every year. Every couple of years, every six months sometimes, in a new spot. Which was fun and difficult and, you know, all that at the same time. But I had my brother, like, same grade, same age. It worked out because I had a built-in buddy everywhere we went. So we knew we weren't going to stay there very long. So you'd, like, get out. You'd try to find a church, you know, to go to. You'd try to get to get involved really quickly Try to find a group to plug in. We were homeschooled because we had to move around so much. So you try to find homeschool groups to plug into. You know, you try to find things to get into so that you can make friends because you don't know exactly how long you're going to be there. But you want to meet people. You want to be social. So that was fun. We learned a lot of skills, you know, life skills that way. But my dad was one of the hardest working people I've ever, ever known. He had a whole different upbringing. His life was lived very, he was very poor. He was on his own a lot. He had to work from a very young age to take care of the the people around him, to take care of himself, you know. Um, So he worked hard. And he dedicated himself to making sure that his family never had to go through what he had to go through when he was young. And there was some give and take, you know. There was some... He was working a lot and focused on work and focused on trying to get that done. And so, you know, sometimes he wasn't there. A lot of times he was. Um, Sometimes he was working late hours. Sometimes he was exhausted from work, so he didn't have time to, like, you know, do the things that little kids bug their dads to do. My mom was raised by the most gangster man I've ever heard of. My grandfather was a family man, loving funny, caring, took care of his family, but highly respected, 
demanded that respect and took care of business when it needed to be taken care of, okay? My mom had very high standards for how a family reacts, interacts, acts, how you're perceived, because that was her dad. That's how her dad raised her. Family first. It's all about the family. That was my mom. All about the family. That is my mom. That's that's her number one, is the family. So she had some high expectations growing up. And, you know, I was a rambunctious kind of an idiot kid sometimes. I was very smart, you know, but... I made a lot of dumb choices because I wasn't always paying attention and I got in trouble a lot. And, you know, it was no, not shaming or trying to point any fingers at anybody. It's just how it was. I respect the fact that my mom had very high standards because I probably would have been a lunatic or a criminal uh, if she hadn't had such high standards. On the other hand, I felt like I had to compete a lot for certain things, okay? We were also raised with my grandmother who lived in the house with us. That was my mom's mom. My mom's mom, she was like, my granny was like an angel with the most amazing cooking skills you'll ever meet, okay? She was flawless in her depth of love and care. So where I felt like my mom was very high standard and very kind of like, this is how you're expected to act. My grandmother was very much like, be who you are, okay? It was a great balance. So that's that's what I had growing up. Um, I grew up in a very religious background, extremely high expectation kind of religion that had a lot of, I want to say rules, but they weren't like written rules. It was just expectations, okay? So I had my mom's high expectations. I had the church's high expectations. And then there was this church kind of teaching that was like, if you don't do these certain things a certain way, then God's going to be really upset at you. And there was also like, if you don't do certain things a certain way with your mom, she's going to be upset at you. (laughs) So, you know, that created some conflict within growing up. Now... In the mix of all of that, as a kid, I had, there was a family friend of ours that I was just, thought was amazing, an adult. I wanted to be exactly, not exactly like him, I wanted to be exactly like my dad. I wanted to be like my dad so much that he has a scar on his forehead and I wanted the same scar. I was trying to, I tried to plot 
how I could bust my own head open to create a scar that would resemble the scar on my dad's right above his eyebrow. That's how bad I wanted to be my dad. He was my all-time hero. This other guy was also a hero. And that guy leveraged that against me, okay? That guy took advantage of some things. When I was a little kid, there was some inappropriate relationship there. I wasn't aware that it was inappropriate at the time because I felt like this guy loved me. I felt like he was caring for me, okay? He was twisted, but that's how it played out in my head, I think. Maybe it was given to me that way, but it was there was a justification there. So, growing up, it was not the most perfect of situations, but it was amazing. My mom is, I mean, her love for family, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen that in anybody else. She had, would sacrifice herself repeatedly. Because there were times when we were growing up that, you know, things were tough. And she had no problem sacrificing her own wants, her own needs, her own... I'm talking like skipping meals to make sure that my brothers, my brother and I, my sister, to make sure that we had the food that we wanted, not just needed. You know, we weren't even aware of the situation, but she would be like, hey, eat up, you know. Not not aware that we should have saved some for her, just not even thinking, you know? It wasn't a, a reality, and she would just do those kind of things regularly. As I grew up and I grew older, I went through a rebellious phase. You know, I was always kind of kind of a rebellious person anyway. Like I said, I was a problem from the time I was in, uh, incepted. So, incepted? Conceived? Anyway, I was a pro- I was a problem since then, so... You know, I kind of I got in a lot of trouble when I was little. Um, I caused some trouble. I was, you know, if somebody said you can do these three things, but that fourth thing you better not do, I would try to do that fourth thing in a way where I wouldn't get caught. Okay, that was me. It didn't really work well that well with my mom's high standards, but you know, what else? We didn't know what else to do. Like she would. Just like, you know, you're going to uh, follow these rules. And I was like, you can try to make me, but I'm still going to try to figure out how to do that fourth thing. You know, that was kind of my my mentality. So as I got older, I really got into a rebellious phase and we had some problems. And I got real bitter and resentful toward my mom. Like, I felt like I was never accepted, you know. That was kind of the thought that was in my head was that she never accepted me. Um, But as I got past that kind of adolescent young man independence of trying to figure out what's in my own head, I realized that she, it wasn't that she didn't accept me. She, she loved me. She adored me. She just, she just needed to, to correct my course you know, um, and, and maybe there was a, 
Maybe there was a better way. I don't know. Um, I don't know that if she hadn't have done that, you know, where, like I said, I probably would have ended up a criminal or something, you know, because constantly trying to push the boundaries, constantly trying to find a way to get away with things that I wasn't supposed to get away with is not really a good thing. You know, it's not really a good trait. It's better to have those things rechanneled and redirected. Um, so, you know, there was conflict there, but she was doing the best that she could with what she had been told as a parent. It wasn't until I was in my like thirties and I had my own kids that I was like, Oh, oh, hell, they don't write a manual for this. Like, I had a moment where I realized, like, I am a parent. Just like my parents were parents. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And then it clicked. Like, they probably didn't know what the hell they were doing either because you don't get you don't get taught, you know, there's like a, there's not a manual for raising kids. You just figure it out. You talk to other people, you read books sometimes, but it's not a manual. It's just like somebody else's suggestions and opinions. And you try to gather all that and see what works for your kid. And you hope you don't screw them up. So I was like, ah, I get it now. You know, my parents were doing the best they could with what they had been given. My mom had been given this dad who had extremely high standards. And her standards were, it was like, even though I thought she had high standards, it was like she was doing her her version of chilling out. And then my dad was raised in a situation where he didn't even have people taking care of him. So if it was like, if I was trying to, um, you know, now he's a dad and he's trying to to take care of his family. Because that's like the number one thing. You try to, like, when I had kids, as I was getting older, I, I started thinking, like, how do I be the best dad possible? I was freaking out. Like, how do you be the best dad possible? And then it just I just calmed down and I was like, how do I give them what I thought I missed out on? So you think back, like, what do I wish that I had? And then how can I give that to them? So you just do try to do a better job of what you felt like you missed. Like you're just trying to fill the gaps, really. So I'm doing the best I can with my kids. And I realize my kids are going to do the best they can with their kids. You just, everybody's just doing the best they can. So I had a lot of grace come into my heart that filled the gaps of this bitterness and stuff that I had of like, they didn't raise me right, and they didn't do this right, and they didn't this and that. And that was a bunch of bullshit because I realized they are just doing the best they could. And my whole outlook changed after that. And once you realize that your parents are just doing the best they could, even if their best sucked, and my parents' best didn't suck at all. My parents' best was awesome. But even if your parents' best sucked, Nobody sets out and, well, maybe somebody, and those people end up in jail, but the likelihood is that your parents didn't set out to go when you were born, and they looked at your little crying face, and they went, 
I can't wait to screw this kid up. I can't wait to fuck you up beyond record. I mean, I hope you have a lifetime of issues. Nobody says that, you know? You you go into life and these kids are, are given to you and you're fucking freaking out. You're like, oh my God, I have a life to raise. I have this person is just de- totally dependent on me to get them to the to, uh, across the line. We're at the starting point. I got to get them across the line and send them off on their own and hope that they don't, they're not a, a psychopath or something, you know, like a serial murderer or whatever. I just got to get this kid to there from A to B and then say, I got to do the best I can. And you freak out and you panic, right? When I realized that, that that's how my parents viewed me, too, I was like, ah, oh, I'm an asshole. I've been an asshole for years because they're just doing the best they can, right? There's more to it. I mean, obviously, over time, we'll, begin, we'll continue to unpack this, but I want you to get a, gr- a grasp on more about me and where I'm coming from and what has led me to be me. And I want to make this very, very, very clear before I punch out of here. My mom and dad are amazing people. The way I see them now, I couldn't appreciate years ago. You know, two decades ago. I couldn't appreciate the sacrifice. I couldn't appreciate the amount of dedication that they have given to making sure that my brother and I and my sister had the best life we possibly could. I took a lot for granted, and I said a lot of stuff over the years that was not, that was directed at them about how they didn't, they weren't there for me, whatever I said. And that wasn't the right way to say that, because, again, every parent deserves grace. We're all in this together. We're all trying to do the best that we can. And you can't appreciate it until you have your own kids looking back at you going, why did you do that? Why did you say that? When you have one of those moments where you say something to your kids or you do something that you're embarrassed about and they're looking at you like waiting for an explanation and sometimes all you can do is just say, look, that was stupid. I'm sorry. That's parenting. That's the road we're all on. And if you want your kids to have grace for you, then you better have grace for your parents. Because if you don't, then you cannot extend that expectation to your own kids. The expectation that you deal to towards your parents, like, they didn't do this. They weren't that, whatever. And maybe they were horrible, okay? So I get that. Some people are just abusive or uh, absentee or they they abandon you, whatever. I get that. But there still has to be a sense of grace for that hurt. Otherwise, you're going to carry that with you forever and you're not going to be able to expect your kids to have any grace for you when you screw up. Even if your parents were horrible people, in your heart, you have to extend grace at some point. You have to look at them and go, look, They fucked up because they were on drugs or because they were incapable 
of re- the responsibility. They, their parents were more abusive to them than they were to you, whatever. Everybody has that story and, and there's, there's, a, there's a level, there's an expectation for grace. I'm telling you, at some point, you have to extend that grace and you have to forgive. Otherwise, when you screw up and your kids are looking at you for an explanation, you can just shoot them the finger and walk away. Because that's all the message they're going to get. All right? You understand what I'm saying? That's the message they're going to receive from you if you can't extend that grace. Okay? So that's, that's, I've gone far enough. I've gone long enough. I'm sure uh, some people probably not going to like some of the things that I've said tonight. But the message for today is extend grace. Okay? Do that. Call your mom if you can. Call your dad if you can. If they're still here, send a message to the universe. Look up into the stars or the breeze or go to the wherever your place is and say, I get it. I forgive you. And move on. All right? Peace out. The Tamale Mafia podcast is brought to you by me. You'll find the music from this podcast and a bunch of other cool tunes over at bensound.com. For royalty-free music, check out bensound.com. Thanks for listening.